So, am I supposed to believe that this idiotic mayor of ours, this moron Eric Adams, really believes that the criminals are going to leave their guns at home when they go through Times Square because it's a quote-unquote gun-free zone because he said so and Kathy Hochul said so? I mean, what does that mean, gun-free zone? What criminal is going to pay attention to that? So me, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I got a legal gun. I'm walking through Times Square. Well, by the way, I need a gun because it's so dangerous. I'm going to leave that at home so the criminals can walk around with all the guns they want. Maybe, maybe I just haven't figured it out. I don't know. That's why Frank Morano is coming on. He's smarter than me. He does a tremendous job every overnight. What a great show. The other side of midnight, 1 to 5, every weeknight here on WABC. Here he is, the ultra-talented Francis Arthur Morano. Well, uh, thank you, Sid. It was great to see you at Michael's of Brooklyn. And what a turnout you had for Citizens United uh, on Saturday. Pete King and a bunch of radio legends, a bunch of political legends. It was great to see you. Uh, it was great that you came. And me and Danielle really appreciated it. It really was. I know it's a schlep. You're on Staten Island. But uh, you being there, like you said, Peter, a host of others. It was a nice little affair. Michael did a great job. I got a bigger one coming up Saturday at Benji and Jake's up in Kanyanga Lake, New York with my mother. But uh, thank you for coming. You were great. And uh, now let's get to what I was just talking about, Eric Adams, this gun-free zone in Times Square. A, what does that mean? B, how do they enforce it? And C, do the criminals really care? Uh, Well, the answer to all those three questions, the answer to questions one and two is we don't know, and neither do the politicians. The answer to question three is no. I mean, no criminal is going to be carrying a weapon. No criminal is going to be having a concealed carry permit, number one. And number two, if they have a concealed carry permit, (laughs) they're not going to be getting to the crossroads of the world and saying, oh, now I'm in the gun-free zone. (laughs) Put it down. I mean, it's insulting, Frank. It's insulting. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, now, the first part of uh, of what you mentioned, there's a lot of dispute about where the boundary actually begins for this so-called uh, Times Square sensitive area. When the city council was trying to find where to hang up their gun-free zone signs, there was a lot of debate about the area's precise boundaries. So that's something that people still haven't figured out yet. Also, there are some exceptions to this. So if you are walking continuously through Times Square, you apparently are still able to carry your gun. Uh, Apparently, (laughs) if you're a business owner or something, you can still carry your gun. But all of this is just window dressing because it's not like when you go through City Hall or some other real sensitive area where you have to pass through a magnetometer that's going to beep if you have metal. Nobody's going to pass through a magnetometer. So unless a police officer happens to see you um, with a bulge or some sort of a concealed weapon, then um, there's no way that they're going to even be able to enforce this. I mean, it's silly. It's window dressing. And this is the kind of thing that you only see when there's a governor up for reelection. Right. I mean, look, there's no question. At this point, I'm biased. There was a time when I liked Eric Adams. He was the Brooklyn Borough president. He was a friend. Come on the show with me and Bernie and really had a good time specifically with me because I'm a Brooklyn guy. And I admit right now that I can't stand the guy. And there's almost nothing he can do outside of eradicate crime, which is never going to happen to make me say I'm a fan of his. I admit that. 
But yet, it just seems to me, with all this stuff going on and the city falling apart, I saw him in Serena Williams' box a couple nights ago. I know he was out at another private nightclub last night. What does this guy do outside of ridiculous press conferences where he tries to appease everybody and hit every major nightclub in New York City? Is that my perception, Frank, or is that real? Uh, I think that is well, that's the perception that the whole city has at at this moment. Right. Uh, I have no problem with a mayor going out and supporting nightlife and uh, propping up nightlife. There's a lot of bars and restaurants that provide a lot of jobs to people. And it's a big reason why a lot of the tourists come here. But the fact that this guy is out every day at zero bond and other exclusive members only clubs while crime is still going up. It, it does give the perception that he's sort of like Nero fiddling while Rome is burned. You think maybe, <laughs> yeah. okay, let's wait until crime gets out of control. A l- I mean, excuse me, gets under control a little bit. And I'll, until then, I'll take a break from going out every single night. Apparently, there was a big battle over which venue was going to host his oh exclusive God. 62nd birthday. One of the people quoted in an article uh, says that he's the hottest. Uh, it's almost they're going after him like he's a Victoria secret model. That's how in demand he is in the private club scene. Even George W. Bush, who I'm no fan of, and I I don't think you were either, but I'll stand to be corrected if if I'm inaccurate. I I, I was a huge fan, 43. I was a huge fan until his second term. At that point, Uh, the Iraq War, listening to people like Wolfowitz and Cheney and Rumsfeld, that became a major mistake. So uh, the first term, I felt bad for him, loved him after 9-11. Second term, lost him, and since then... Stabbing Trump in the back. Now I really lost him. Well, what I was going to say, though, is at least George W. Bush, and I think he was a disaster as president, but at least he had the wherewithal or someone around him had the sense that while there are troops coming home in body bags, maybe stop golfing. And he did. <laughs> he stopped golfing true. while there were all these American servicemen hey, you know, being killed To that killed point, by the way, I, I'll never forget when they, they killed the first of two, because my friend Stephen was also killed, but they killed the first of those two journalists, uh, Jihadi John, when they cut their heads off in those videos. I'll never forget, they went to Barack Obama, and he was sitting in a golf cart and was really annoyed that they were stopping his golf game for him to talk about an American being beheaded by the Iraqi maniacs. I'll never forget that. Never. Yeah, look, I mean, I I think people realize that every president golfs, every mayor wants to go out and go on vacation and have a good time. The difference is uh, that the perception and the message that Mayor Adams is sending to the whole city right now that while crime is going up, albeit not in homicides, but every other measurable category, while Adams says a lot of the right things rhetorically and backs a lot of the right candidates and goes to Albany and asks for a lot of the right legislative fixes, the fact that he's still having a gale time, uh, you know, (laughs) sipping on his vodka sodas at zero bond while crime is going up. I think it sends a message to the police, to prosecutors, to judges, to to other politicians that he's not really serious about getting his hands around the crime problem. There's no question. Frank Morano, other side of midnight, every uh, overnight here at WABC does it. By the way, he gets tremendous ratings. I mean, tremendous ratings. Uh, My friend Sarah Palin, she lost last night. That's the bad news. The good news is, though, she's still around for a big election come November. Explain that to the listening audience. Uh, it, you know, so what happened where it, here is that uh, the congressman that was there for 50 years, Don Young, kind of a legend in Alaska politics, he died. 
And uh, that meant they have, a, have to have a special election right away to fill the seat. And uh, they have the regularly scheduled election, which takes place in November. Yesterday was the second round of the, of the special election. So the person that won, the Democrat, Mary Patola, she will serve until January. So she's everybody that is crowing about what a major victory this is. It's really not. It's, she gets to hold the seat for four months. The big prize is the November election. And that will be the real measure is if, if Palin comes back. Well, or not. That'll be for the full two-year term. Say? What does this say? What kind of omen is this for my friend Sarah that she lost this yesterday, even though, like you said, it's only a four-month seat? Okay, well, there's, uh, I'm always hesitant to read too much into one race, but we don't have one race to look at. We have now multiple races in, in districts that Republicans were largely expected to win that they've lost. And in both of those races, uh, in New York, the 19th Congressional District with Pat Ryan, and then this Alaska Congressional District with Mary Poltola, the Democrats used essentially the same strategy. Uh, it was abortion, abortion, women's rights, and a little bit of climate change, a Ignore, ignore inflation, ignore crime. And I think unless Republicans running in purple districts realize that uh, independent voters and women are pretty fired up about this abortions decision, yeah. and unless they change their strategy, then uh, we're not going to see the red wave that a lot of people were expecting. You're right. The other thing they also throw in there are gun laws. So when Pat Ryan, for example, like you said, beat my friend Mark Molinaro in the Hudson Valley, he won abortion gun laws. So while yesterday Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams are screaming about gun, you know, gun-free zones and gun laws, and we're like, this is so ridiculous, it does resonate with these Democrat voters, evidenced again by what you're talking about Hudson Valley, New York, and Alaska, Sarah Palin. I think a, a Palin has a much better shot in November because there will be a higher turnout in the November election, and this is a state that Trump won by 10 points. There is a perception by some that Palin sort of abandoned the state of Alaska to become a star. That may turn people off, but Palin should do two things. She should say, one, because she's a small government conservative that respects states' rights, that when she, if she's elected to Congress, she will never vote in favor of a national abortion ban because she believes it's it's the states that should be making this decision. That doesn't alienate any conservatives. It just pushes it back to the states. And two, it kind of takes the abortion decision off the uh, the table for Potola. The other thing is because the November election, like yesterday's election, is going to be done using ranked choice voting, she should not be attacking the system. Instead, she should use the system and reach out to the supporters of the other Republican that's in the race, uh, Begich, and ID his supporters and run um, run a campaign targeting his supporters, asking the supporters of Begich to rank her second, because uh, then I think she's going to be in a much better position in the in no November than she was yesterday. Now, a mutual friend of ours, but a Staten Island native, which just speaks to you, Nicole Maliotakis, has been very outspoken about this issue, which affects a lot of New Yorkers, and we're calling it congestion pricing. What a mess this is. Just another tax on New Yorkers trying to get by every day and make a living. What are your thoughts on the latest there? Well, look, I was open to this because I see the traffic congestion uh, in Midtown and I see the effect it has on the economy. Unfortunately, this plan, the, the seven plans, I should say, that they've come out with so far are a joke. Uh, one, it treats uh, John Katsimatidis and I the same way when we drive into Manhattan. And the $23 toll or the $9 
dollar toll, and though we don't know exactly what it'll be yet, depending on what yeah. brand they choose, right. it hits me a lot harder than it does John Katzmatidis. But why is that? Does John Katzmatidis have more money than you? I don't buy uh, that. Barely. I, I don't barely. Buy that. Yeah, right? I don't buy that. But, but, no, but also, also <laughs> Sid, I'm not driving into Midtown because I want to or for my health. I'm doing it because I don't have proper mass transit. I mean, if I had a real mass transit option, I would take it. Well, Additionally, well take, that, take that up with Vito Bosella and the people in your borough. <laughs> Don't He's be trying me but, about it. But but the other thing, Sid, is it, it their own models, six of the seven plans, show that it does nothing to reduce traffic congestion in the outer boroughs. The Cross Bronx Expressway, which is already uh, just a parking lot, and we are seeing surging rates of things like asthma over there, their own what? models show this makes... This makes traffic congestion Asthma. worse. So basically, yeah, because these kids are all breathing in smog all oh, day God, long yes, and, yes. and car exhaust. So what, what they're doing is essentially saying we don't care about traffic congestion in the outer boroughs. We only care about traffic congestion south of 60th Street. And when I'm driving in at night, um, there's no traffic in Midtown at 10 p.m. Uh, there's traffic in, on the BQE and elsewhere at 10 p.m. So why should I have to pay a $5 or a $9 congestion price? Pricing fee. It tells you it's not about traffic congestion. It's about revenue. It's only about revenue. So I got this friend. Her name is Susan Otto Graham, and she works in the little town of Bethel, where my mom lives, upstate New York, where the actual original Woodstock site, uh, Woodstock site was. In fact, Susan's helping with my book signing on Saturday, and she just texted me this, and I quote, Frank Morano is brilliant. <laughs> I mean... I mean, you fooled a lot of people here, Frank. I uh, clearly, I, I don't know I, uh, what that <laughs> yeah. uh, Hopefully she has better judgment in book no, material. No, she, and... She's right. You are brilliant. You're a That's great radio kind. host. You're very, very smart, well-prepared, and I love listening to you. And you are great just now with me. So thank you so much for this uh, big information on a Thursday morning. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you again. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. There he is, Frank Morano. Every overnight here on WABC does an amazing job. He really does. Frankie Morano. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.